Chikai, hold that pierogi and that polka. You don't have to speak Ukrainian or be Ukrainian to get in touch with your Ukrainian-Canadian roots. Just tune in to Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio and join me, Pavlina, for an hour of contemporary and traditional Ukrainian music, folklore, and factoids for the culturally curious. Wednesdays at 11 a.m. here on CHLY 101.7 FM. If you do speak Ukrainian, stay tuned and join Oksana for an hour of Ukrainian language programming at 12 noon here on CHLY 101.7 FM. Калина малина, чого ж ти не цвітеш? Чого ж ти козаці до мене не йдеш? Раз, два, кітарі, та раз, та два Чого ж ти козаці до мене не йдеш? Раз, два, кітарі, та раз, та два Чого ж ти козаці до мене не йдеш? Чого ж ти до мене вчора не прийшов? Зайшов на крилечко, так дощик Ukraine, that was Rosha Nitsia with a cute little song called Kalena Malena, which uh, translates as cranberry raspberry, but really doesn't have a whole lot to do with uh, berries or fruit, <laughs> but it has a lot to do with unrequited love and stuff like that. A typical for Ukrainian folk song. Again, Rosha Nitsia with Kalena Malena. Dobry den, dorohi radio suchachi na radio peredachu nash holos, radio krinsko ho kurinya. Jaka podiasi vam si hodni, tak jaki kožni serede, zodinaci toi do srednaci toi hodene, na chveli CHLY, sto den sim FM, umisti nanaimo. Hovorit pavina, diaku ju stori šole, perebuta zimnoju na stupnu hodenu. Hello there and welcome to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio coming to you live from CHLY 101.7 FM in beautiful downtown Nanaimo. I'm your host, Pavlina. I'll be with you for this first hour and we've got a great program lined up for you. We've got a Ukrainian recipe, a seasonal one again, as well a feature interview with Catherine Anna Olga Cook, and she is um, another donor to Ukraine War Amps, and she's recently back from Ukraine. So we'll be speaking with her shortly about her interesting experiences there. As well, we have Ukrainian Jewish heritage and a look at two early 20th century thinkers, uh, one Ukrainian, one Jewish, Ivan Franko and Vladimir Yabotinsky. 
As well, we've got our usual proverb of the week, other items of interest, and great Ukrainian music. And coming up now is a song by that was written by uh, again an early twentieth, early to mid twentieth century Ukrainian poet, uh, much persecuted by the Soviet regime. And uh, this song is "Eternal Mystery Calls Us," "Vichna Taina Klechenas." with Sylvia Molnar. Tips for Ukrainian cooking. Hello. Nothing beats the fresh summer taste of radishes and chives from your own garden. Of course, city folk can also enjoy the taste of summer thanks to the local greengrocers who sell produce from the many wonderful gardens and farms in the area. Tonight's recipe features both radishes and chives, along with a mild tang of cream cheese for a spread that makes a simple but delicious canopy. Several years ago, my original recipe for canopies with radish and chives was featured in the Vancouver Sun. To make it, you will need 
to cream an 8-ounce package of cream cheese with 2 tablespoons of butter. Add half a cup chopped radish, half a cup chopped chives, or green onion if you don't have chives. Mince a clove of garlic and add it to the mix along with half a teaspoon salt or to taste. Mix well by hand or whiz in a food processor. This will make about one and a half cups. Store the spread in a covered container in the refrigerator. It keeps well for several days so it can be made ahead. This spread is delicious on dark rye bread triangles or cocktail pumpernickel squares. Try it. It's Ukrainian. This has been Ukrainian Food Flare from the Nasholos Audio Archives.
Слубоненько нашу Україну Не плачте за мною Якщо в полі згину Все віда за любоненьку мою From Ukraine, a group called Shabla Life, and that was a song called Bracha Ukrainsi, which means Ukrainian brothers, and of course it is all about pulling together. Vyslúchajte Radio Peridáču náš holos, Radio Krínskoho Koríňa na Radio Stansi CHLY, Stoden Sim FM umisti Nanaimo. Hovorit Pavlina. You're listening to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio on CHLY 101.7 FM in beautiful downtown Nanaimo. I'm your host, Pavlina. Now, further to that song that you just heard about Ukrainians pulling together, uh, we've got an interesting guest who's going to tell us uh, what, that's, what that actually looks like. Now, last week we spoke with a supporter of Ukraine War Amps uh, from Chicago, Dave Hotelling, about his recent trip to Ukraine to meet the wounded soldiers who are benefiting from his donations to Ukraine War Amps. Today we'll be speaking with another supporter, also from south of the border and on the East Coast. Ukraine War Amps was founded in Toronto in July 2014 by John Broadhead and Jean Berezovsky as an ongoing coordinated effort to assist wounded veterans of Ukraine and the families of the fallen to reclaim their lives as well as limbs shattered by the war. Their two main projects are Adopt a Soldier, which launched Ukraine War Amps, and then about a year later they launched a new campaign called Visit a Soldier. And these, pro- these campaigns have given hope as well as new life to so many Ukrainian amp- amputees. Now, back in October of 2015, we spoke with the first donor to the Visit a Soldier campaign, Catherine Anna Olga Cook. Catherine is from Maine, but her parents were both born in Ukraine, and so her Ukrainian roots run pretty deep. If you didn't catch that interview or would like to hear it again, you can check the podcast for October 28, 2015. In that interview, she said then that it wouldn't be her last trip to Ukraine, and as it turns out, it certainly wasn't. Catherine is just back from another trip to Ukraine with Ukraine War Amps. They visit a soldier program, and she joins us now by phone from Maine. Welcome back to Nasholos, Catherine. We tell you. Thank you. It's nice to be back. Well, it's it's great. And I guess I should say welcome home as well. Uh, when did you get back? I got back on the 2nd of April. Okay, so you've been back for about a month then. And how, yeah. long, how long were you there? Uh, just for two weeks. Oh, again, just for two weeks. Uh, the last time we talked, you said yeah. only two weeks. I guess they went fast. I know. It is only <laughs> two weeks. It goes so fast. It's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> now, I watched your posts on Facebook, and I have to tell you how much I admire your bravery. Although I also feared, oh. <laughs> I feared for your safety, too, as you put yourself in harm's way a fair bit. Now, but I guess there really, that was the best way to understand what Ukrainian soldiers and their families are experiencing, to actually do that yourself. That's that's correct, yes. I mean, to put on a bulletproof vest that they use and the helmet and feel the weight and know that I wouldn't be able to run if I had to because of the weight, it, it just puts some more things into perspective. Yeah, I guess it kind of rejigs your brain to, to think about your survival and safety before you think really about anything else. Yes. You, you think about each other, I think, no, mainly, mm. you know? Everybody seems to watch out for each other. So tell me then, um, I'm going to ask you more about, about your experience later, but I want to also ask you about how you found out about Ukraine war amps in the first place and what inspired you to get involved with them? I was um, 
in communication with a lot of uh, Ukrainian Americans down here um, when the war started with fundraising auctions and and different things like that. Mm -hmm. And I was on Facebook one day and the Ukraine war amps popped up when, you know, the section where they say you may be interested in this. Mm -hmm. So I immediately clicked on it, learned about it, and that was exactly what I wanted to do. I mean, fundraising and everything is, is, is really good and it helps, but to actually have contact and help uh, soldiers that, I mean, you know the money is going directly to these men and you know about them and how their uh, rehab is going, that is, is very good. I mean, that that tells me where my money's going and it makes me feel like I'm helping more, more personal. So it, uh, it doesn't, when you come back to your mundane work-a-day job, it, you have a different appreciation for, for it, I suppose, as well. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, yeah, you don't really resent working so much because you know that you can donate a portion of it to somebody who really needs it. That's right, they're part of my budget now, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so tell me now, you, you said you put on a bulletproof vest. Where in Ukraine did you go that you needed to wear that bulletproof vest? Well, I was in the East. We were just, um, we were touring in the East. And um, they they told me to put it on, you know, and for pictures, I thought, you know, but it it was... Um, it's quite humbling. Did it? Yeah. Come, did you need it? Did any? Did you? Did you? How close? No. To, no. Thank God. No. Yeah. No. 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 <laughs> okay. Well, they, yeah, they wouldn't have I done. I always. But I thought of the soldiers that don't have them. You know, I have um, personally bought bulletproof vests and sent them over um, through contacts because so many of the soldiers don't have them. Really. That's, yes. That's terrible. It is. Yeah. How could how could how could yeah. a, a, an army officer send a soldier out into war without being well equipped, properly equipped and dressed? Well, I think I don't know. I mean, an army shouldn't. However, when you think of the Ukrainian psyche, though, and and the boys and the men that I've met over there, they don't consider going to war a duty like they would in this country and perhaps Canada. They go for their families, for their ancestors, for themselves. I mean, it's a whole different mindset. So it and runs. It took me a long time to figure that out. So it sounds like it runs deeper than just I mean, duty encompasses all of that, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. But this yes. runs deeper. T- tell me more about that. Unfortunately, Ukraine has that horrible long past of always being in war and invaded and and knowing relatives that have died through either war or starvation. Um, And that's very much in their minds. And it wasn't until I was in Kharkov uh, with a, a visitor soldier family, and he was telling me about his family, and I was listening, that suddenly my mind, it was like a switch went and I stopped thinking like a Westerner and more like an Eastern European, and it all made sense. You know, when you go to war to fight, you are fighting for personal things. You are fighting for your home, your family, um, freedom. I mean, that's something a Westerner could never understand. Well, because we were born into it. It's like we can Absolutely. we consider it our birthright. It's it's like we take it as as much for granted as we do the air we breathe. Really, 
Right, right. Whereas they have only known democracy for a short time, and they don't want to go back to the old ways. How I've often wondered the uh, the young people. How much do they? Um, how much it got passed down information-wise from the people that lived in the Soviet era and the tr- the, that short transition era and then that really wonderful brief um, period, mm. window of freedom. Did they fully well, understand their, their history? Because there was that gap in the Soviet era where it was stolen from them and they were fed all kinds of propaganda and rewritten stuff and all, you know, glory to the Soviet state, all kind of mm-hmm. nonsense. And... Uh, so a, a lot of the Ukrainian history was kept. People didn't even know what it was. I'm still I'm speaking with immigrants now who are kind of just realizing there's a whole world there opening up to them that they didn't realize, they didn't know about their themselves. Right. Yes. Well, the young people I met, um, their families were the, the storytellers. Hmm. And they are well aware of their past and... Um, the time during the Soviets and even the times during the German occupation. So um, the ones that I met were fortunate to know all this history and um, value their freedom as much as their parents do because they know what the alternative could be. Well, that certainly speaks to uh, censorship and propaganda. Yes. How it, it, it doesn't work. I mean, it's, it's so temporary because that stuff just goes underground and then the first chance that it, it has to come out, it comes out with, with full, in full force, too, doesn't it? Hmm, it does. So, so there is um, a, a real, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for, determination, beyond determination, a compulsion of these people to go there, put their life on the line to, yes. pre- to preserve something that, that is just so new to them, freedom. Yes. I mean, even wounded ones, wounded soldiers who have lost limbs, go back. Really? Any of them do. Oh my goodness. My goodness. Because they know they can help and it's sort of the same attitude I think of Ukraine war amps. If you can help you do it. It doesn't matter really what you have to sacrifice that that extra dinner. You know um, Ukraine war amps to sponsor a soldier is $50 a month. That's less than a, a dinner for two costs in a nice restaurant. Yeah. I mean, you can forego that and maybe another little luxury because you're helping. You know, you're helping a life, and very, very often when you help that life and then you get to meet their families, you're helping them all, including children who have a better appreciation of how the world is not turning their backs on them because so many people feel that way. I imagine they must, because you don't hear anything anymore mm. on the news about the war in Ukraine. And, yeah. uh, you know, in, I just read um, Interpol has, has taken Yanukovych off their list. And, and you know, uh, publications like Der Spiegel and the Wall Street Journal have printed stuff by Yanukovych as if he was like a normal, decent person. And right. I, I can imagine, and then, and then too, they Ukrainians, you know, go probably have access or they come visit the West and they turn on the news and there's nothing about Ukraine. Nothing. Yes. So they feel abandoned and forgotten. Yeah. Yeah. So so organizations yeah. like Ukraine War Amps, people like yourself going over there must really give them um, a boost in their morale. It seems to. I was surprised. But again, I, I, I have to repeat that I get more 
from them than they do from me <laughs> because it just the love the the joy to be with them and when you walk into a hospital room and knock on the door and there's four soldiers in a wounded soldiers in a very very small room and you open the door and they see you and their faces light up <laughs> and i mean that gives so much more to me than a visit to them could ever give. Yeah, you're and you ask them, what do you need? Mm-hmm. And they say nothing. Oh. They always say nothing. Oh, of course. But those soldiers have to provide their own food and medicine, so anything you can give helps. So you said you know, $50, uh, and it, uh, we're in Canada, and of course our dollar has, died, has, has taken a dive, So you know, but even still, you yeah. add a little bit, um, you know, 30% onto that. That's still... Um, less than a hundred dollars, and that you know, a lot of people go out for dinner and eat, drop that yeah. without thinking about it, right. and or or like you say, some something else. Um, quit smoking, <laughs> or or drink uh, yeah, drink less. There you go. Drink less beer. Well, that's like what three three or four bottles of wine, um, you yeah. know. And uh, so so that's what it would cost somebody here. What does that mm-hmm. represent to somebody in Ukraine? What do they get for for? Our well, sacrifice of a dinner. Example, mm-hmm. For example, one of the wounded soldiers that I stayed with in Kharkov, he um, got a letter that day telling what his pension was going to be, and he showed it to me, and I'd asked him, you know, how much is this? It was $150, and I said, is this a week? And he goes, oh, no, this is for a month. Good heavens. So that tells you a family of four has to live on $150 a month. So even even if you you take into account that the hryvnia is about what ten ten cents fifteen cents on the dollar, so it would amount. Uh, like yeah, when I was there, it was like twenty six. <gasps> yeah. Oh my goodness, it's devalued yeah. that much. So it, was yeah. about, it was about sixteen when yeah. I was there, uh, two years ago. Mm. Wow. So okay, so we're so twenty let's say twenty five cents to a dollar. Mm. Um, right. So that would how how would that work out to uh, in in mm. US dollars, twenty five hundred dollars would be two twenty five hundred hryvnia, right? Yeah, yeah. So so essentially, yeah. so essentially, let's say it's two twenty five hundred dollars, roughly in our in our money, that a family mm-hmm. of four would live on. Like, what family of four in North America can live on twenty five hundred dollars? Ah, nothing. Yeah, and of course they don't have the welfare system that we have here in the West. Yeah. I mean, if you don't work, if you don't get money, you don't eat. Yeah. 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 So when when you went, um, you stayed with, you went on the Visit a Soldier program. So it, it, now tell me, they're, they're, they kind of go hand in hand, don't they? Like you, um, you sponsor a family, a soldier, and they adopt yeah. a soldier program? Yeah. Okay, so, so that's $50 a month then going to a family. Tell us about your family, the soldier you've adopted. Yeah. My soldier I adopted as Leonid Morishan, Lonya, and he is from the Carpathians. And he was wounded two years ago. And I first met him this time last year. We finally met. And it was like somebody, uh, it was like I had known him. He's Mm -hmm. um, 32 years old, and he just recently got married this year. And... I had met him, and then six months later, I met him and his wife. They mm-hmm. both came to Kiev, mm-hmm. and this last time, I went to them. I took the plane to Ivana-Frankivsk, mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and then went up into the mountains mm-hmm. and stayed with them. And his wife is a teacher. Uh-huh. He um, is working in local government. He's been elected. Oh wow! And just yeah, which is amazing. But it's just the most wonderful atmosphere there. Um, you know, they don't have much. Um, you know, they saved for when I came. But it's just—I don't know how to describe him. <laughs> He's—he's my son. He really uh, is. Uh, so you have you have a family then, a family connection. I do. <laughs> yes, I do. So you form that kind of thing when when you adopt a soldier. It it actually is like a, like a family member. It really is. Yeah. Yes, and the visit of soldier is the same. Um, this time last year, I went to Cherkasy, and I stayed with um, a cyborg and his family, a soldier who had fought in Donetsk Airport. Wow. And I'd met um, a lot of his uh, fellow soldiers from the same battles. And I even met um, the prisoner who was taken, one of the prisoners who was taken. There's an awful video that's been going around that the Russians filmed. Um, I met him as well oh, and wow. his family. And I went again this last time specifically to visit this family because they've become my family as well. I have so much family over there right now. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And really relatively small amount of money when you think about it to to help them. It's nothing. It's absolutely nothing. Yeah. And and the experience of visit a soldier adds so much more to your life because one, you, you know how us Ukrainians are. They are so welcoming. They are so mm-hmm. loving. And they arrange sightseeing, and we talked about everything, and they just became so close to me. It was wonderful. So much nicer than and staying. And I'll see them again next time. Yeah, <laughs> it's so much nicer than staying in a hotel and eating in restaurants oh, by goodness. yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. When I yeah. was when I was there a couple of years ago, I met a cyborg as well, Avadem Dolgoruk, mm-hmm. a triple amputee. And um, oh. I don't know if you've seen my, I uh, did a video, I posted a video on YouTube about, about it. And, yes, uh, I have. You have? Yes. Uh, yeah, wasn't mm. that wonderful? And of course, Nick was, Nick, Nick was in there, Nick Budarovsky, and uh, he yes. was he was my guide and translator at the time. And I saw you were mm. hanging out with Nick a lot. <laughs> Oh yes, he's my best friend. He, he really is. <laughs> he's oh, he's just wonderful. And I also saw you in a picture with uh, Yulia Payevska, an incredibly brave yes. medic that spends a lot of time at oh, the front. Oh my goodness! Yeah, yes. yeah. Yes. She is very, very well known over there now. Tyra is her call sign, and um, I, I help by sending supplies monthly from here to the medics over there as well. Because yeah, that's another thing they don't have. Right. Is Medical supplies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Oh, well, there's yeah. just there's just so much more that I wanted to to ask you, Catherine, but we're running out of time, unfortunately. Oh, sorry. Oh. I, once I get talking about Ukraine, I don't stop. Well, <laughs> and that, that makes my job easy. I'll tell you. <laughs> Good. Okay. Oh, at any rate, well, one last question before we let you go. Um, you've you've mentioned how much you get from donating. What would you say to anyone listening now who may have thought about donating to Ukraine war amps but hasn't pulled out their wallet yet? I would say you're not just donating to one person. Um, especially us Ukrainian Americans and Ukrainian Canadians, 
we're donating to our culture because we know what Russia is like. If they take over a country, they wipe out the culture. We're keeping our culture alive. We're helping our soldiers who are giving up truly everything to fight. Um, and when they're wounded, we're, we're helping them live because without our support, they can't do it. They can't afford their medicine, food, and their families suffer. Um, it's just such a small amount and it just, it, it, it get, we have to give. We, we really do. These are our, the same blood as us. These are our people and they are appreciative. They depend on the diaspora. And like I say, we get so much more than from them than we could ever give to them. They are truly amazing people, the strongest people I've ever had the pleasure to know. <laughs> so I imagine you're thinking of returning to Ukraine again with uh, Ukraine War Amps? <laughs> of course I am. <laughs> <laughs> that what was a question. Sort of rhetorical question, wasn't it? <laughs> yes. Well, thank you so much, Catherine Anna Olga Cook, for coming on the show to tell us about your latest experience with Ukrainian war amps. Visit a soldier campaign. All the best, and hope to speak with you again. Okay, thank you, Paulina. Okay, my pleasure. Okay, papa. Bye. 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 We were speaking with Catherine Anna Olga Cook from Maine in the United States about her recent trip to Ukraine with Ukraine War Amps Visit a Soldier Program. The Ukraine War Amps has two main programs that put the money donated by their supporters to very good work. Adopt a Soldier provides monthly stipends of approximately $50 U.S. to as many Ukrainian heroes as it can. But you can, if you can't afford $50 U.S., you can always donate whatever you can. 100% of the proceeds go towards Ukrainian veterans. So Visit a Soldier redirects funds that will be spent on hotel accommodation to the families of soldiers being helped by Ukraine war amps and also provides you, the donor, with a unique experience and perspective that ordinary tourists would never have. For more information, visit www.ukrainewaramps.ca and to make a donation, visit www.ucaring.com forward slash adopt underscore a underscore soldier. Vesukite Radio Peridachu Nash Holos Radio Krinsko Hokorinya na Radio Stansi CHLY Stodensim FM Umisti Nanaimo Hovorit Pavlina. You're listening to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio on CHLY 101.7 FM in Nanaimo. I'm your host Pavlina. Up next is a song by uh, London artist Ludwig and um, pretty much speaks to uh, the topic that we were just um, discussing. The song is called There's Two Kinds of People. Condemnation, condemnation Doesn't change the situation Put in Hitler of today Who knows his final destination Now they all express concern The situation is unstable And they say we should return To the negotiation table Never heard the terms invasion, occupation, annexation, indecision, no resulting in complete capitulation. Then they'll all repeat their lies again to try to justify that for the greater good of all, a country's freedom was denied. There's three kinds of people that we've got in this world There's those who fight for change 
And those who find the reasons It's got to stay the same There's two kinds of people that we've got in this world There's those who fight for truth And those who find the reasons There's nothing you can do So which of them are you? As was many times before See this to the end To stand together yet alone A nation's freedom to defend They say the times have changed But if we're talking of Ukraine Stalin's, Hitler's and now Putin's Real intentions stay the same Be sure of this you leaders Of the West you'll have to see Your cowardice in history Recalled eternally Your children and descendants Will disown you and your names Ashamed that you betrayed A sovereign country called Ukraine There's two kinds of people That we've got in this world There's those who fight for change And those who find the reasons It's got to stay the same There's two kinds of people that we've got in this world There's those who fight for truth And those who find the reasons There's nothing you can do So which of them are you? Democracy depends On dictatorship is here Yes, they sell you hate you, but you have to live in fear. So free yourselves from all the devil Putin has to sell. Then hopefully he'll leave us be and crawl back into hell. There's three kinds of people that we got in this world. There's those who fight for change. Who find the reasons It's got to stay the same There's two kinds of people That we've got in this world There's those who fight for truth And those who find the reasons There's nothing you can do So which of them are you? There's two kinds of people That we've got in this world There's those who fight for change who find the reasons It's got to stay the same There's two kinds of people That we've got in this world There's those who fight for truth And those who find the reasons There's nothing you can do So which of them are you? And now for a look at Ukraine's rich Jewish heritage, then and now, brought to you by the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter based in Toronto, Ontario. Welcome to Ukrainian Jewish Heritage on Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio. I'm Peter Baeger. Two writers, two politicians, two outstanding public figures, and two intriguing viewpoints on the historic challenges of Ukrainian-Jewish relations. The Ukrainian writer Ivan Franko passed away in 1916. The Zionist leader Vladimir Yabotinsky 
was from a generation younger. Both made vital contributions to the creation of their respective national states of Israel and an independent Ukraine. But both did not live long enough to see their national dreams come true. Wolf Moskovich, professor emeritus at the Hebrew University of Jerusalem, compares and contrasts the lives of these two men in a fascinating essay. The essay was one of the contributions to an international conference and subsequent book on Ivan Franco and the Jewish issue in Galicia by the Vienna University Press. There is no evidence Franco and Jabotinsky ever crossed paths, though both met intellectuals they knew in common. Professor Moscovich traces some remarkable similarities in both men's life stories. Both men ran for an elective political office before the First World War. Franco for the Habsburg Austrian Parliament and Jabotinsky for the Imperial Russian Duma. And both were defeated by corrupt party machines that were hostile to the interests of the two men's electorate. Professor Moscovich calls Franco unique among Ukrainian writers of his times in his deep understanding of the Jewish community of Galicia. Franco apparently knew Yiddish from childhood and published some of his own translations of Yiddish works. Franco wrote more on Jewish subjects than any of his Ukrainian contemporaries. And no Jewish leader before or after Jabotinsky devoted as much attention to Ukrainian national issues. His support of the Ukrainian national struggle remained consistent and his writings reflected only a positive attitude towards Ukrainians. But there were inevitable differences. Professor Moscovich points out that Ivan Franco could be considered ambivalent about the Jewish community. Some of Franco's writing can be considered philosemitic. However, Moscovich notes Franco depicts Jews in an unfriendly manner in some of his works of fiction and poetry. Franco was evidently the first non-Jewish reviewer of Theodor Herzl's 1896 landmark book, The Jewish State, which called for the Jewish people of Europe to leave for their historic homeland. Professor Moscovich asserts Franco's sympathy towards the Zionist idea did not originate in his deep Christian beliefs, as was the case with many Christian supporters of Zionism. Instead, Franco felt that the dire economic conditions of Ukrainians in Galicia, seen as Jewish exploitation, demanded the emigration of Jews as a safety valve. Herzl's idea of a national state for Jews stimulated Franco's own dreams of an independent Ukrainian state. Franco believed poor Ukrainian peasants and workers should defend their economic interests by creating cooperative structures that would eventually eliminate Jewish middlemen. And yet, Franco supported the recognition of Jews as a separate nation with full equality of rights and obligations. Jabotinsky recognized the grave economic situation in Galicia and pursued Ukrainian-Jewish political cooperation. He saw the similarity in the national destinies of both peoples. Jabotinsky wrote that circumstances in Galicia were against the Jews. The only viable answer was to return to Zion and create the Jewish national state in Palestine. Professor Moscovich notes 
that at the end of the day, Jabotinsky understood competing interests and history would make it difficult to persuade Jewish leaders to cooperate with Ukrainians. So Jabotinsky stressed the importance of the two groups' common interests. He wrote, I am not an optimist, and I do not believe in, quote, love, unquote, between nations. In particular, I do not in any way conceal from myself the fact that a certain antagonism exists between the Jews and Ukrainians of Galicia, one that takes on uncivilized forms. I am certain that those uncultured forms will disappear with the growth of education, but tribal conflicts will persist until there are fundamental changes in the political and ethnographic map of the world and in the socio-economic system. Changes did eventually come to Galicia and to Europe, massive and cruel changes unimagined in the earlier and more genteel era of Franco's lifetime. These were changes whose horrific contours Jabotinsky could already glimpse just before his sudden death by heart attack in New York in 1940. Wolf Moscovich's essay, titled Two Views on the Problems of Ukrainian-Jewish Relations, Ivan Franko and Vladimir Jabotinsky, can be found online at academia.edu. This has been Ukrainian Jewish Heritage on Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio. From San Francisco, I'm Peter Baker. Until next time, Shalom. Ukrainian Jewish Heritage is brought to you by the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter, based in Toronto, Ontario. To find out more about their work, visit their website and follow them on Facebook and Twitter. Transcripts and audio files of this and earlier broadcasts of Ukrainian Jewish Heritage are available at their website, ukrainianjewishencounter.org, as well as at the Nasholos website, www.nasholos.com.
Crimean Ukrainian singer by the name of Jamala and that was 1944 it was the story of the deportation in World War II by Stalin of the Crimean Tatars and that is considered one of the major genocides of Ukraine it was forcible repatriation to um, another part of the Soviet Empire and uh, her great-grandmother was one of those who was involved in that deportation it was certainly not anything uh, comfortable comfortable or um, luxurious by any means. Again, that was Jamala at, with 1944. And that song was the winning entry for the Eurovision Song Competition, which has been going on since 1956. It took place last year. Oh, I can't just forget now where it took place. But this year it's taking place in Ukraine because the winner, winning entry uh, um, always hosts the, um, the next uh, Eurovision Song Competition. So that's coming up this weekend. So um, it's not being televised anywhere on um, cable TV or... or uh, network TV, I don't think, in Canada, but you can, I'm sure, find out online at any rate. If you're listening from the States, um, it will be broadcast on this um, uh, in in the United States. You can find out information about that on the Nash Holos blog, and uh, we're doing a countdown there right now of all the songs, the winning entries, top 10 winning entries over the years that uh, Ukraine has participated. So stay tuned for that. Also coming up this weekend is Mother's Day, and uh, we've got a couple of songs yeah, that'll keep that in mind. We've got Otvinta coming up next, and a song actually about uh, Baba, Nakurela Baba Judevel. Hey, act of the pan, 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 act of the pan,
that Mother's Day is this Sunday and uh, that song was by Kvika Sisek and it was simply called Mama. Cijuhu denu bola zvame Pavlina na haduju vesuhite radio predaču naš holos radio krinskoho korinja zalašajte se zname na stupnu hodenu. Dali predaju mikrofonu u Ksani zaprošuju posluhati trohe pro historiju i tradeciji rozpovijst u Ksana ali peditem je hoću zalašati vas tekema slovame mudrostea. And our proverb of the week translates as, What is stolen is not always a loss. Well, my time with you is almost up, so we've got one last toe tapper to wrap things up, and that will be the Playboy Band from Edmonton with the Kolomeka in C minor. And that brings us to the end of the first hour of Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio here on CHLY 101.7 FM in Nanaimo. Please stay with us as Oksana takes over the microphone to host the next hour. Meanwhile, please join me here again next Wednesday at 11 a.m. And until then, do stay in touch with Oksana and me on Facebook and Twitter. Like our Facebook page and check out the Nasholos website where you can get the podcast, a link to our blog, and other information about the show. And that's www.nasholos.com. So stay tuned next for the Nasholos Ukrainian Hour with Oksana, followed by World Beat Canada with Vancouver's Cal Code, and a 2 p.m. jukebox oldies with our own Bobby B. Cool. I'm Pavlina. Thanks so much for listening. Dozusirishi. Субить ученой, 
тихонько посыче, посыче, как я кинул девчонку, сам еще вернется. Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.